The 225th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 54 to 53! North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Fred Brown looking, oh, wait a worthy! Worthy five! The Star Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head, long outside shot. Short rebounded. May, it's over! 72 and how about them Tar Heels they are the national champion pump fake for three too strong on the shot that's it the Tar Heels are the national dadgum champion love guarded by Keels gets a screen pulls up for three got it Caleb from straight away here are your hosts Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today. We're going to take you through Carolina's win last night at Florida State, 77-66. We're going to go through the box score. We'll, We'll play you a quote from Hubert Davis. Give you give you the stat of the game and more. And with that, buddy, let's go ahead and, and dive right in. Uh, we knew how important this game was to Carolina. For Carolina, it was a uh, a game that they could not afford to lose if they wanted to make the NCAA tournament. Although the, the win last night didn't improve their NCAA tournament standing, but had they lost it, they would have put themselves in a position having to win the ACC tournament to qualify for the big dance. And well, they- let's make it clear. Um, there might be no win that does that. They may still have to win the ACC tournament. Apparently, each win uh, actually makes their resume worse, is what I'm being told. So, you know... They, they had to block out that noise and really just go in there and play and play a, a, a good brand of basketball, and they did that in the first half. They built a 43-25 to 25 lead in a game that was at one point tied 12-12. to 12. So Carolina, not the biggest start to the, seat or to the game, but you know as the, as the half moved along, they were able to build a lead behind going 11 of 18 from behind the arc uh, in the first half, just putting on a shooting display that – we saw in the first half against Virginia the other night. But outside of that, like a team that was dead last in the league in, conf- in three-point shooting has looked like the shooting team we saw this time a year ago. Um, and they built, as I mentioned, that 18-point lead. It would get as close to 66-62 to 62 in the second half before an emphatic dunk by Leaky Black really put the, the game away for Carolina. And all in all... While it was an uneven performance, uh, Carolina went on the road, secured their third straight win, which we can now qualify as a win streak heading into now the biggest game of the season at home at Duke on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, they did exactly what they had to do. I mean, granted, it wasn't the prettiest game that Carolina has played by any stretch of the imagination, but 
you know, and at the end of the day, it's a it's a win. And so that's the point that Carolina is at. They are basically in the March mindset, uh, and they have been really for the last three games. And I think Carolina has taken care of business pretty well in those three games. Now, you know, again, I think this is this is the concerning part about this team right now is the recipe seems to be in the last two games. We're going to come out. We're going to shoot the lights out of the basketball in the first half. But in the second half, we're going to have to find a way to hold on. Carolina's got to find a way to change that recipe up just a little bit and really be able to dispose of an opponent a lot earlier than what what they've been able to do so far this year. Yeah, I mean, I get what's frustrating going through that. You're on the road with a team playing on its senior night with a team that's coming off its biggest win of the year. I mean, look, so, so I get I, it. I expected Florida State to to punch back, but you can't you can't let them come. But part of it was you did it to yourself too because you had the turnover issues. They had mo- they had two stretches in this game where they turned the ball over multiple times and it really hurt them. So I get it, and a ton of credit. To Florida State. That team is still fighting. I don't know how they are. I mean, they made some just boneheaded mistakes. Fouling a guy trying to inbound the ball, I I cannot remember ever seeing that before. Ever. And Corey Alexander said that's a legal play. Corey Alexander is a dumbass. Let's just establish wow. that right now. That dude had some of the worst takes. You you like to you like to go after Jordan Cornette for reasons unforeseen. Dude, Corey Alexander. I mean, he had himself a freaking night last night, man. When he said after Pete Nance hit a three that Pete Nance may be able to make people forget about Brady Manick, I I almost I almost fell off my bed watching that game. And then what may have been even worse was when he said earlier in the game, he said OB, which is what he calls Dave O'Brien, which is just annoying as hell, by the way, when he says it over and over again. Because you know Dave O'Brien is one of one of his guys or whatever, um, he says. Ob, there are a lot of scouts here to see some of these Florida State players, and then he says there's another one that the scouts are there to see. Okay, well, who who on the Tar Heel roster would you think NBA scouts are there to see? Eh, maybe Armando, you know, per, you know, with the rebounding prowess that he has. Ah, Caleb, you know, he's really struggled. Still a guy that maybe fits the NBA game a little bit more. RJ's had a pretty good season. He's progressing along. Maybe people are looking at him at the next level. Even Leaky, defensive player, could be something that's valuable at the next level. No. He says they're there to watch Jalen Washington play. What? So, I mean, he might not be wrong. Jalen Washington going to translate better to the NBA than Armando Baycott is. If he becomes a good player. You're telling me that you really believe NBA scouts were there to watch a dude that plays four minutes a game. If uh, that I mean, I don't What are they watching? I don't think he didn't he's even lying. play much. I don't think he's I don't think court, he's court court he is a moron that knows absolutely nothing. This is the same guy, by the way, that a couple of weeks ago when Carolina was playing state, they did an interview with Joe Lenardi and he completely just he tuned out from the game. He was so focused on the interview, he said 
Uh, yeah, I think there was a foul that was called there. Oh, I'm saying on a play. Jalen Washington He's an idiot. the model for an NBA big. These could be teams getting an early scouting report on him. He's a dumbass. He doesn't know anything. And I, for the love of God, please do not have this man on our games in the ACC tournament. Literally, literally put anybody else. I don't care who you roll out there. Anybody, and there's so there are so many guys that are better than him at ESPN or the ACC Network. Can I get a little Dan Bonner action in my life here? Or, dude, Randolph Childress? Like, dude, Corey is just, oh, I'm over it, man. Three straight games of this dude, too, by the way. But great. Here's the thing. Back to the game. Uh, that was your fault. You're the one that went on a tangent and sidetracked the show. That's true. But I'm bringing it back now. As I, you know, as, as I tend to do. Uh... I really thought late in the game, you saw what Carolina was able to do in the early part of conference play. And it's why they picked up some really big wins early in conference play, no matter what the committee tells you or whatever, Joe Lenardi or whoever. Uh, You saw R.J. Davis hit two huge shots, and you saw Leaky Black nearly rip the rim down on one of the most ferocious dunks we've seen from a Carolina player in a long time. So despite letting them come all the way back in this game and make it a four-point game at one point, Carolina responded when they needed to, and it was some veteran guys that got the job done. Well, the thing is, is they're getting contributions like they probably expected to get throughout the season. Not Leaky Black scoring 18 points and grabbing nine rebounds. That's welcome, though, yeah. But, like, whenever he plays well, he played well in the win against uh, Wake Forest back in January as well, it elevates Carolina. What what Pete Nance is doing is this is the Pete Nance we all thought we were getting upon arriving in Chapel Hill, a guy that was going to go about it a different way, but a guy that was more than suited to replace some of the production that Brady Manick left behind. And... Um, he's doing it from the field, obviously. Uh, even though last night, not not the same shootout he had against Virginia, just three of ten, but all three of his made field goals were three pointers. That opened up the the floor for Love. That opened up the floor for R.J. Davis. And, and the you know he got he got on the glass with ten rebounds to lead the team. Uh, he was there blocking shots. So this is the type. This is what we were supposed to see, or we thought we were going to see from Nance. In November, uh, and I think this kind of just serves as a reminder. While Brady Mannix's ascension really started at the beginning of February, it still took a guy who was playing his fifth year of college basketball almost four months to figure it out at Carolina. It's taken Nance a little bit longer, and we hope that we haven't run out of time. But if he has figured it out, and this is going to be who he's going to be Saturday against Duke, next weekend to Greensboro, if Carolina finds itself selected into the tournament, there's going to be that same – it won't be – it probably won't be as much fearful as Carolina was a year ago because they were just so hot entering that field. But but people are going to see them, and they're they're not going to want to see a Tar Heel team that's playing – that that would have a much more improved Pete Nance. Another thing out of last night's game, uh, they made double-digit three-pointers. In back-to-back games, that's the first time they've done it all season, and it's the first time they've done it since they did so in last year's tournament 
Marquette, Baylor, and UCLA, which got them course to the Elite Eight, where they'd beat St. Peter's and go to the Final Four. And four different and four Tar Heels made at least three three pointers last night. It's insane. Like like that's for a team that came into the game the other day against Virginia shooting twenty nine percent from beyond the arc. And, and I think you know what I was thinking about while watching the game last night is um, not 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 so much the second half. And the Carolina's not going to shoot the balls with it in the first half every time out. But that's the vision. That's the program. It mm-hmm. is it is diverse perimeter scoring. Love and Davis have been the one that have gotten the most shots and the most criticism for their numbers because no one else was making them. No one else was taking them. Well, now you're well. Like, you're they see, were taking some of them, and they were not coming close to making them. You're seeing other guys be confident and taking those shots, especially Leaky Black. The thing about his shot about his shots is that he he does a really good job taking the shots that are there within the rhythm and the flow of the offense. He just doesn't make them. But it, and we've seen in his short or in his long career as he's now tied the record for most games played at Carolina, that when they go in, Carolina's offense looks completely different. It makes the game so much easier for everybody involved when they've got when they've got to respect his his scoring ability. And mm-hmm. so, look, I'm not saying they're going to go and make 11 three-pointers in the first half on Saturday. But it's 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 amazing when you're taking good shots, the ball goes in the basket more often. That's what I have complained about all year long was that they weren't taking they were taking decent to okay shots. They're now taking really really good shots or great shots. And when you do that, because of the talent that we have, the ball goes in the basket. Like everyone wants to say, "Oh, these these aren't they can't shoot the ball." That's not true. Caleb Love RJ Davis can shoot the ball as good as any backcourt there is in the country when they're taking Shots that are best suited to them, and they're not taking one dribble step backs or turnaround threes or whatever the like. When they're moving the ball inside out from side to side, and the ball has energy, the ball goes into the basket. Let's take a look now at the box score, which is brought to you by DraftKings. Carolina for the game only shot 43% from the field, 23 of 53. Florida State shot 42%. They were 25 of 60, but Carolina shot in the first half 54%, 13 of 24, and 11 of 18 from three. That qualifies at 61%. For the game, the Heels were 14 of 29 from deep. That's 48%. Meanwhile, Florida State, three of 15. That was just 20% from behind the arc. Free throw shooting, Carolina, 17 of 24. 71 percent meanwhile Armando or, or not Armando Baycott uh Florida State was 13 of 21 62 percent um Carolina did commit 14 turnovers that led to 13 FSU points just eight Knowles turnovers led to nine points for the heels rebounding went Carolina's way 40 to 32 overall including 31 24 on the defensive glass nine offensive rebounds led to 13 second chance UNC points uh Florida State had also had 13 on eight offensive rebounds bench points that number's a little wacky 35 to 8 in flavor in, in favor of Florida State but Caleb Mills did come off the bench it was senior night for the Knowles, so they did start a different lineup points in the paint 32 to 14 
uh, in favor of Florida State. Fast break points, 11-7 FSU. Both teams had two blocks. Carolina with five steals. FSU just had three. The Heels assisted on 15 of 23 made baskets. Meanwhile, the Knowles assisted on just seven of their 25 made field goals. Let's move on now to the quote of the game where we go to the head coach of Carolina basketball, and that was Hubert Davis. And, and you know, Hubert was, you know, he was very happy with the way his team played, but with the way that the second half went, he was also a little annoyed, which I like seeing and I like hearing that from my coach. I, I think that's a sign of a coach really maturing into his own and being comfortable saying, yeah, we won, but we also didn't didn't play very well. But he did talk about the three-point shooting and did say that was the game plan entering the game for Carolina. One of the things that we talked about with Florida State defensively, they switch everything and they have so, such great length and athleticism that when we drive, um, all their defenders kind of converge in the lane. And so what was going to be available was that outside shot. Look, it, it is what it is, you know, you know, prior to these last three games that I don't know where we are now, but I mean, statistically, you know, we're the worst three-point shooting team in the ACC. So teams have been packing it in and having multiple guys in the lane and making us um, shoot the ball from the outside at times. And I've said before, at the end of the day, we're going to have to knock down some perimeter jump shots. And over the last uh, couple games, we've been able to do that. I think one of the things that I'm going to have to, I guess not eat, eat is the wrong word, but, you know, I really thought that after the Notre Dame game, Carolina was going to scrap for round one and attack high-low because I thought mm. that game proved it was the best way to attack. Well, at least this guy didn't agree with you over here. Um, And, and I think Whoops. the thing is is that I think I'm more confident that if they need to go back to that style of basketball – They'll go back to it, but the mm-hmm. Virginia game and the Florida State game has proven no. They they can still attack them from the perimeter and be a good team when those shots go in. And so, you know, and last time they didn't have a choice because Armando Baycott just had it was a nothing burger for you offensively. A lot he had he got into early foul trouble, took him out of the rhythm and the flow. But going up against a seven four guy, it was like the first time that I could vividly remember a big guy really affecting what Carolina wanted to do. And it didn't really make a whole lot of sense because that wasn't a guy that had a major impact for Florida State for the majority of the season. But I think what it was, was I I think it's what you said, that early foul trouble really threw him off. It got him out of the game early, and Carolina, I mean, their best lineup was with him off the floor. Mm-hmm. Um and that that was that was crazy to see because you were relying on Pete Nance and Leaky Black in your front court at times, a, a group that you know we had criticized for not really contributing offensively for the majority of the season. But these guys are starting to come around. You saw Leaky Black rebound the ball well. You know during his press conference uh, last night, Huber Davis said. Not only do you have to credit what Pete Nance is doing scoring-wise, you also have to credit him for how much better he's been rebounding-wise. And I think that's true as well. He's just toughened up in that department. I thought early on it wasn't that he was in it wasn't in the bad position. I just thought he went tough enough. It's a it's a confidence thing. It really was. Now it seems like for some reason, I don't know, I, I don't know what was said in 
that locker room at Notre Dame, whatever dude, they put a lighter underneath that dude's ass because that dude, wow. that dude has been playing just, at, I mean, at the level that we thought he was going to play. I mean, even, I think even above it in the game against Virginia. I mean, my God, that was a tremendous performance. Um, but I mean, this is, there is a fire under the tuchus for him and it's working now. So, I mean, you got hit, and then and Leaky, you know, I think that's just one of those things where it's kind of come and gone with him throughout the season. You know, we saw it early. You know, we saw him score the ball a lot better. The thing is, is hopefully he, he can keep producing this way, at least for this next stretch of games here, to get the team into the tournament. And then, you know, you'll have to see a guy like Caleb Love probably step up, um, which, he, you know, he, he played well in this game. Not great, but he played well. Um, R.J. Davis, I think that's that's really the biggest X factor with this right now is that, man, R.J. Davis looks healthier. Um, and, I mean, I, I know he, he fell to the floor a couple of times last night. Some people were saying that uh, it looked like he was messing with that finger again. Well, you couldn't tell that late in the game because that was the R.J. Davis that we saw and that was missing when Carolina started losing games. The guy that down the stretch, you could just put the ball in his hands and he was going to hit a tough shot. And he did it twice last night. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's reasons to feel confident. And hopefully, at some point, Armando Baycott can sort of rejoin the party here because I think what you've seen really in these last two games and what Carolina's recipe should be is, you know, especially against teams like this, from the outside, if things are going early, ride ride that hot streak from the outside. But in the second half, whenever you go into the locker room, it does not seem to translate over into the second half. You saw it last night, and especially in the game on Saturday against Virginia, what works is driving the basket and finishing inside with either your guards or your bigs. So I think that has to be the plan, but in order for that to be the plan, man, there's going to be there, there aren't going to be many games where you're going to be able to survive that type of performance from Armando Baycott. Um I it, I'm going to tell you right now, if he plays that way on Saturday, Carolina's not winning that game. The, the the thing about it is and I got a text from my little brother last night that was really frustrated with Armando Baycott. I love it. I absolutely what it does for this team's confidence that they can go now away. They can go into a game where he doesn't produce and still win. They haven't really done that this year, and so what that does is it is is it elevates your confidence. I'm not saying that I want it to happen, especially on Saturday. I need yes. I need I need Mondo to be Mondo, but you're probably gonna have to win a game in the ACC tournament where he probably doesn't play all that well, gets in early foul trouble. If you want to go on a run, that's part of every tournament run where you gotta you got to overcome some adversity. Well, they had – I mean, yeah, they should have learned that from last year. And Look at the game against Baylor. And this team is they're, – they're, they're now finding ways to overcome that. The first three and a half months, four months of the year, that stuff held them back. And hopefully they haven't run out of time. But you know, as as frustrating as it was, I, I've I've always as a fan relished winning on the road when your best player doesn't play very well because what that does for the internal confidence of that group, we we will never be able to know, we'll never be able to measure. With that being said, he needs to be the best big man in the in in the ACC 
on Saturday. Let's take a look, let's take let's take a look now at the stat of the game. This one's very simple. Um, I went three-point shooting because I thought that was the reason why Carolina built the lead. Well, when you hit 14, season high, I'm assuming. I, I just, No, they hit 15 against Clemson. Okay, so, yeah, second most this season, 11 in the first half. Yeah, hard not to be impressed with that. But they were uh, 14 of 29 from the three-point line overall compared to just 3 of 15 for Florida State. We mentioned going into the game, FSU – not a good three-point shooting team as a team, but they had two guys that shot 38% or better. For them to pull the upset, you would have you would imagine they would have had a big night from deep. That didn't happen. Credit Carolina in that department. Well, with that, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get you the latest offer we have from DraftKings. And when we come back, more thoughts, more takeaways from Carolina's 77-66 win at Florida State. That's coming up next on the Four Corners Podcast, back after this message from DraftKings. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Opt in and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus back. Guys, I do this all the time with over-unders. I do it with the first three porn that's going to be made by Stephen Curry or, 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 or you know, Ja Morant, LaMelo Ball, whatever it is. Do all of these same-game parlay actions at DraftKings Sportsbook. And you can do so by downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the promo code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. We really hope you guys are taking full advantage of all the great offers we've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. Let's dive back into this win for Carolina at Florida State. And, you know, look, we've kind of been talking about it. You know, Carolina played a really strong first half, and then the second half was left open to interpretation. Like I said, I knew Florida State was going to punch back. Maybe I didn't envision it getting as close to four, but that's going to happen. And that's going to happen if Carolina comes out and starts well on Saturday. It's going to happen well. It's going to happen if they come out and do it in the ACC tournament. And of course, they make the NCAA tournament. Like you're playing good teams at this point in the year, you're playing experienced teams this point in the year. And I think what we're learning across the landscape of college basketball is it's really, really hard to put together a complete 40-minute game. The the teams that find a way to do it are usually the teams that make the Final Four, that win national titles. Um, and, and maybe Carolina is building toward being that type of team. Once again, we'll have to wait and see. But if you come out and do what you did in the first half, I think what they've done the last two games is they've put the game in a situation where they can manage it. They can, they can, they can control time, pace, score, and all that. And that's really important. 
you see a lot of that in the NBA where teams start really, really fast, and then they just manage the game from that point on. And uh, yeah, I think that's what Carolina was able to do last night. I, I thought even when the game got to four, I I wasn't fearful that Carolina was going to lose. I really wasn't. <laughs> um, Wait, it, okay. I okay. wasn't. I was on the phone, and I heard a much different story being told I mean, during like, that time. In the moment, I was mad that the game was a four-point game. Did but- you not say multiple times, yeah, we're losing? I mean, I say that all the time. Okay, sure. It is that, sure. It's that reverse okay. psychology type of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, you're being held to a seat. You're, you're, the truth no. is being revealed here, no, I, and your back is against the wall. We joke about it all the time where, you know, when a dude makes a crazy shot, we'll just say, yep, we're losing, and we go on to win the game. I, I, I don't say that. I say, one of, I say one of those nights. That's I never go-to. once thought Carolina was going to lose. Okay, sure, sure. I, I didn't because there's now more confidence in R.J. Davis. There's Leaky Black was performing. The thing about R.J., and I, I know I said this the other night, it just baffles me that, that people complain about him. Like, Hubert Davis went on a tangent where criticizing college kids is disgusting, and I kind of pushed back on that because people like us, that's what we do for a living in this medium. People that criticize well, I mean, R.J. Davis. We don't always criticize people, you know. Um, people that were criticizing R.J. Davis, that's disgusting <laughs> because I've never once thought that kid wasn't trying. I never once thought he wasn't doing what he thought was best to be the best player he could be to help Carolina win basketball games. And so, like, as happy as I am for Pete Nance, and I said this also at Virginia, I love seeing RJ be successful because I, I, I love what he's about. I love how important he is to this team. And like Huber Davis said, you know, early in the year, he's the guy that makes this team go. And the thing that him and Pete have done in back-to-back games, and something we really haven't done all year, we finally built off a performance. And that's what teams that play deep into March do. They build as the season moves along. And it took Carolina a really long time last year to start building off of their wins and their successes. Same thing with this team where – up until Notre Dame and then at against Virginia and now at Florida State, I never once thought they had built upon any of their success. I, I, I think right now you could look at this team and say they're night and day different from when we saw them a week ago uh, against Notre Dame, and they're building towards being the type of team we wanted to see back when the season started in November. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing is you've got to be able to – to bring it night in and night out. And and I thought for the most part they did. I will I, I will not be as bold as you are to say I did not think that they were going to lose because I thought at the end with the run that they had made, and part of it is just you have to credit Florida State because they, they did – they almost did it again. This would have been the second straight game where they had massive comebacks. Um, but – you know, I, I think Carolina sort of settled things down. The biggest issue that they had, again, were turnovers. Um, and, and Florida State also did a really good job of taking away uh, what they were able to do in the first half, which was, you know, knock down uh, some of those open looks from the outside. They were forcing Carolina to have to do what they did in the game against Virginia, and Carolina just wasn't nearly as successful as they were at doing that uh, in this game. So... I, I you, but that that's the thing is can you 
be a little more consistent. And the thing is, is now you, you've got no choice. Um, I know, you know, Hubert Davis said in his press conference, hey, these are our three really good wins. And I think for where this Carolina team is at right now, they are. But you're about to face much tougher teams than you have faced outside of Virginia uh, coming up, you know, starting with the ACC tournament and then eventually when you go on, hopefully, to the NCAA tournament. So Carolina's got to be ready to step their game up and become a little more consistent. But it feels like this is a team that is starting to do that because I think right now you feel somewhat confident about the team that's going to show up every time this team takes the floor the remainder of the way. Um, you know, I, I, I'm i still a little bit hesitant to say that they're going to come out and knock down double-digit threes on Saturday against Duke, but I think it's more than possible because Duke's game plan defensively in the first game was pack it in the paint and make them knock down shots from the outside. If Duke brings in that similar game plan, which to be honest with you, if you're opposing teams, would you not still bring in a similar-ish game plan? Maybe not quite as deep packing it into the paint, but at least early in the game, you would probably say, okay, let's see if they're actually still in rhythm or if this is, or if that was just a, a momentary hot streak and they're back to the team that they've been all season long. So for Carolina, I think it's it really goes into what Hubert Davis said last night, uh, which is just taking, which was the game plan coming into this one for Florida State too, which is just taking what's there. If it's there, then take it. And, and, and yeah, at this point, if you can continue to shoot the way that you are, you're going to be extremely successful. It feels like earlier in the year, because of the fact that they really just weren't knocking down their shots, they weren't in rhythm, uh, they were having to sort of force things. Right now, it doesn't feel like they're forcing things here for the last two and a half games. Yeah, no, they're 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 forcing the issue, but they're taking the shots that are there to be taken because they're moving the ball because they're they're doing the things the right way. They are dictating the flow of the game while also taking what the opponent is giving to them. And and when Carolina does that, I like I I, I like our chances. Yep, yep. Doesn't matter who we're playing, where we're playing, the time that we're playing. I don't care. And when Carolina has playing with that type of mindset. I'll take our chances because I know the talent. What about the temperatures that were? No, I don't. I don't care because <laughs> I, I, I. Well, you were listing everything else off. I just wanted to make sure. I, I, I like, I, I like our chances. The legend of the lemon Oreos. They continue. It continues to grow. Oh they, my god! You know, they arrived to the hotel on Saturday, on Sunday night with twenty to twenty-five packages of them, which really goes to show you. How much this fan base still loves well, and cares? Hu- the way Hubert made it sound was that this is like we're talking like boxes. So we're talking. I mean, the, the the entire lobby may have been filled with lemon Oreos. I'm just mad that I didn't see the the link to donate because I would have I would have fed Pete Nance. Well, we just we we did not. So this has to be like a high end booster, or to be honest with you, oh, it I'm might, just making a joke. It I might be Bubba. Be, I want to be part of the. Oh, I no, I'm saying I am 100 percent down for sending Pete some lemon Oreos. I personally do not like lemon Oreos, although you know if they win the national title, I'm going to have to become very familiar with them. But uh, oh yeah. Yeah, 
that would be that that would be more than worth the donation to was, spend what? Well, Oreos are kind of they they are kind of expensive, especially so, in this economy. You're talking about five dollars a bag. I'm I'm I've really thought about driving. Yeah, I could maybe do three for them. I was I was thinking about driving to Chapel Hill this weekend for game day and walking in with a pack of lemon Oreos and seeing if I could have it delivered. Well, you to know me. what? You know what? You have the ability to do that. Because you don't have to work. Um, but you know, I, I I thought that was a cool gesture, you know, and I think it just really goes to show you whether it was a high end booster, no matter what it was. Yep. Even though this season hasn't gone the way we wanted it to go, even though Pete Nance hasn't been the guy we wanted him to be, we still got his back. He might be now, and you know that that stuff doesn't happen everywhere else, you know, and and it, it's just like. Everyone wants to talk about how this family is just this fabricated, made-up, mumbo-jumbo. It doesn't exist. And I think all we continue to prove is that, no, it does exist. Because if he was at the school eight miles down the road or, you know, a school in the middle of the foothills, they would have turned their back on him. And, you know— Wait a second. Who's the school in the middle of the foothills? Uh, Kentucky, I guess, would be— the, Oh, yeah, okay. You know, like like those well, type of fan bases, here's, he'd be vindicated. Here's the thing. At Kentucky— Normally, you don't make it this far uh, into your time there. They're usually already trying to cut you loose. So, regardless of if you're a freshman or a senior. So, yeah. I mean, of course not. You know, um, so th- that that really smiled, made me smile on the inside. We're not going to get out of here before we talk about Dontrez Styles, though. As the podcast hmm. that has really... Wanted him on the court? Well, okay, so we've wanted him on the court, but that was in place of the man that we just talked about. Right now, I, I, you can't really take him off the court. No, but he was called upon last night because of the issues of Baycott and foul trouble. Yes, they called on him, by the way, before Jalen Washington, which, was, which, which shocked me at the moment. And he goes on the court and plays 10 minutes, scores four points, hit a really big three at the point of the game where Carolina was extending their lead. He only seems to hit big threes, yep. right? And, and then he grabbed a timely rebound. Oh, man. His minutes is going to be dictated on the matchups and what he does in practice and preparation. But I, 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 I loved seeing him on the court last oh, night. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> because it, you know, it was just. I think it was just a reminder, and for him personally, individually, like for a guy to not play this year, like he has at at, at stretch where he has just not even seen the court, and then gets called upon in a must-win situation for Carolina, and he goes out there and produces. Yep. What's that do for his confidence? Well, I mean, I got to be honest with you. Most of the times that we've seen him, he he hasn't. I mean, he's looked pretty good. Um, he's rebounded the ball well. I don't really think confidence is an issue for him. To be honest with you, I think he's kind of that guy that we've seen whenever his number is called, he's kind of just ready to go. And I think. I don't know if it's going to result in a bigger role for him this year. I I have no idea because every time that we have this conversation, we say, well, if we're basing it off of the way that he played last night or whenever we're recording it afterwards, well, he's going to play more. He's got to play more, right? And then every time that we say that, he doesn't end up playing anymore. He Most of the time, the next game, he literally does not play. 
So I don't I, I don't really know. I will say this though. If Armando Baycock continues to struggle the way that he is, or if the smaller lineup continues to be as effective as it is, you may see more of him on the court. I wouldn't be shocked by that. Uh, Hubert said in the postgame, one of the things that he liked the most about the way that Dontrez played last night was the fact that he defended at such a high level. So that's the other thing that I think could get him time on the floor. But, I, I mean, I don't I don't know what to tell you. I, I've said it all year long with this rotation. It's an NBA type of rotation. Night to night, you have no idea who is actually going to play in the game. The rotation patterns are not consistent. It's really just about who they who Hubert or the coaching staff. I think it's really a combination of the both. It's really about what they think the matchup needs at that time. Who they think fits that matchup better. And last night they felt like Dontrez was a guy that fit what was needed at that time better. I thought he played pretty well outside of the one turnover where he 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 pretty much just fell down and lost the ball out of bounds, which was very interesting. That looked like something I would do out on the basketball court. Dontrez, I suggest not to do anything that looks like what I would do on a basketball court, um, or you for that matter, as people can see on WFNZ's Twitter page, at WFNZ, if you scroll down and find the video of you attempting to dunk. There was no the, attempt. I dunked, a, I dunked the ball. And then almost almost busted your ass after you dun- you dunked the ball. Also, you did dunk the ball. How many attempts did that take? And that that does not count the attempts that were also taken while not being recorded, which I'm assuming there were other ones that you attempted and and failed on. No, when I first walked out there to dunk, I dunked it. That it's was- a six it's a six foot goal, by the way, too, guys. So let's seven, not be overly seven impressed. Foot. Whoa. Yeah. Give me uh and I Whoa. I, mean, I, I had ups. So. Uh you're I, I will say this though. Same for me. Uh our our best athletic days, at least for the time being, likely behind us. That so all, what my point is is Don Trez, do not do not uh, do not re- reproduce uh, more of those moments uh, like you would see with us out there on the basketball court currently. But yeah, all, all credit to him, and uh, I, I think again, the more guys that you can have that can step up and make an impact for you, the better. Because who knows, there could be another scenario. It's not likely, hopefully not uh, that. You could be faced with a scenario similar to what we saw last year against Baylor. And remember, last year against Baylor, they weren't prepared for that. Not like they might be this year. Yeah. So I I, I was just really happy with what he did last night. And overall, I was just pleased with the result. I, I think I've said it really since Carolina put themselves in this position. I don't care how it looks. I don't care what it takes. Just win. And last night, Carolina won. And if if they keep winning, it's going to be really hard to keep them out of the NCAA tournament. And if this team gets on a seed line, they're gonna no no one's gonna want to see him given their talent, their experience, and, and and maybe just like last year, they'll be one of the hotter teams in the country entering the field. So with that, guys, this is gonna wrap up this edition of the show. But before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to visit the website. 
HeelToughBlog.com, where you can go back, check out the recap from the win over Florida State. I'll be getting you ready later this week for the rematch with Duke as Carolina will look to secure another quad one win and continue to build that NCAA tournament resume. All that basketball coverage and more, that's HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, just simply search the Four Corners Podcast, and we will pop up. We're there. We encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast, but more importantly, we want you guys to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, let's wrap up this edition of the show. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening, and as always... Go Tar Heels! Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that!